Uh, thanks, uh, Joe, for having me. Uh, thanks for calling me nice. <laughs> so, um, great two talks. The I'm going to talk about things that everybody in this room is able to do uh, and have access to today. Um, first, before we get into treatment, um, there, uh, a, a brief update on uh, our current criteria for diagnosis. As you know, uh, now going on five years ago, we've updated our uh, how to make the diagnosis for myeloma. Uh, and in, we're, we're, there was a, a small subset of patients that we used to call smoldering myeloma, that we now, now call symptomatic myeloma. That is what we call biomarker-driven. Those patients who have greater than 60% plasma cells in their marrow, those patients who have a serum-free light chain ratio greater than, uh, of abnormal over, or, over normal of greater than 100, and those patients who have two, at, at, at least, I'm, I'm sorry, greater than one, that is at least two focal lesions on an MRI. So our, all of our patients who, have, who we previously predicted had smoldering myeloma, we get a complete MRI of their spine and pelvis, and it's very important that your uh, radiologist uh, understands the difference between um, uh, diffuse changes in the marrow and focal changes so that they can inform you if the patient does have focal changes. Those patients who do have focal abnormalities in the marrow should be treated as if they have symptomatic myeloma. The other thing that we've revised over the past several years is the ISS staging system. Um, this is my pitch. Please remember when you have your newly diagnosed patient to get an IS, to get a beta two microglobulin and get fish testing, the fit and, 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 and an LDH, and that way we can appropriately stage the patient. Again, staging doesn't define how we treat myeloma, uh, but it is important in understanding risk stratification. <clears throat> Where are we today? Uh, induction therapy for the, I say younger, and uh, we just had a meeting in our myeloma group, and we have removed age from our discussion of how we're going to manage patients. So for the patient who's going to be a transplant candidate, three-drug therapy followed by autotransplant remains the standard of care. Um, the concept of, of early autotransplant um, in myeloma um, is controversial if you live in California or if you live in Boston. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it, it's not controversial in, 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 uh, in, in the southeast. Three-drug induction therapy followed by uh, um, autotransplant um, uh, uh, you want to maximize your response post-transplant. Uh, uh, Dr. Raji will talk about uh, maintenance therapy. Um, huge debate and enormous lack of data on what to do with maintenance therapy in our high-risk patients. Um, and the reality is, and, and, and Tom gave a great talk, but to be quite honest, we're so profoundly depressed that that CAR T cell, at least this first generation of CAR T cells, not curative in myeloma. So it's even more important now that we maximize our best response up front, and the way we're able to measure our best response is with MRD testing. The um, 
Uh, as, Tom, as, as Joe mentioned, we were lucky enough to participate on the original RVD study, and that, and that original RVD study um, that completed in 2007 had a, uh, a very small number of patients, had an overall response rate of uh, 100%. It was um, unprecedented, and we immediately switched to RVD for all patients because we had never seen responses like that. Um, uh, um, there, at the at the same time, there was thought that maybe standard risk patients or older patients didn't need three drug therapy, and so uh, ECOG, um, and, oh, I'm sorry, SWAG, uh, led by Brian Dury, did a randomized study of RVD versus RD, and I think everybody who participated in the study and everybody who designed the study had uh, very clearly thought that there was going to be an improvement in um, response rate and progression-free survival, and that you see that there's clearly an improvement in progression-free survival. But what changed everybody's approach to the management of myeloma is that there was a, a, a clear overall survival advantage. The absolute survival advantage of 10% at, five, at four years uh, has really... Uh, led to RVD being the standard of care for both the newly for newly diagnosed transplant and non-transplant candidates. So then the question is: Is what's the best uh, uh, proteasome inhibitor to give? We know that in in this in this uh, relatively small study that you can get high responses with the uh, combination of carfilzomib with RVD. I mean, sorry, carfilzomib with RD. Now, the, the, the concern always with carfilzomib has been, is there going to be too much toxicity up front? And I'm going to show you data later. Um, in, in addition to uh, carfilzomib, we have a third uh, proteasome inhibitor, and exasmib can be used with lenalidomide and dexamethasone. This research was led by uh, Shaji Kumar from Mayo and shows that over time we can, uh, that this is a very effective regimen and it's convenient and it's safe and responses improve uh, over time. I will note that, again, these are very small studies and it's just an observation that you have a 62% stringent complete response uh, for patients, uh, the, the, the best outcome for KRD, and whereas the best outcome for IRD is a 27% stringent complete response. Um, then the, the, this was the first uh, uh, publication to ask, can we add daratumumab? To, uh, to our induction therapy, this is daratumumab KRD, and it showed and the answer is yes. Very small study. Um, it's hard to, in this small study, comparing to another small study, it's hard to see if there's a benefit from adding daratumumab to KRD, considering that the stringent complete response rate in this setting was uh, 43%. Uh, this is a this is the Griffin study. This is a very large study. It's a randomized phase two study of 100 patients getting RVD transplant, um, followed by a consolidation with two cycles of RVD, and then um, and then uh, lenalidomide maintenance, uh, and then uh, compared to all of that with daratumumab. This, what I'm showing you here, is a run-in phase of that study with just 16 patients. 
This study's now been completely accrued. There's 100 patients in each arm. Hopefully we'll see the, the data for this entire 200-person study by the end of the year. But at least in this 16-person study, we show that we are able to safely add daratumab to RVD. And the responses are really good. The, if you just look at induction after four cycles, you have a 94% response rate. If you look at the responses after transplant, excuse me, and then after two additional cycles of DARA RVD, you have a uh, 100% response rate. 63% of patients are in complete remission, 25% are in stringent complete remission. And so, and then if you look at the absolute best response rate, um, you now have 63% of patients in stringent complete remission. So we're now getting to that point. Now, what I haven't shown you here is a large data set. What I haven't shown you here is risk stratification. It's too small a number. What I haven't shown is how long these remissions last. But we know that at least in the upfront setting, adding daratumab is associated with a, uh, it's safe and it's associated with a, a significant response rate as part of the induction therapy. Um, again, Chaji Kumar, uh, who led the original IRD study, did an IRD plus uh, DARA study. And again, what we see is, uh, is everybody responding to treatment uh, and uh, the majority of patients having a very deep response with CR or stringent CR. So where are we now with, uh, with what we would call our transplant candidates? Um, the combination of a proteasome inhibitor and an image and, and dexamethasone remains a standard. Um, I would argue that the role of, um, of monoclonal antibodies, particularly daratumab, is emerging. Um, I, I still, I, it's, I think if you get myeloma doctors and you put them in a room and you ask them to answer the question is which proteasome inhibitor should you, sh you should use, um, there's going to be a, a variety of, of answers. Um, and the, the, so the question then becomes, now with all this better therapy, do we still need high-dose therapy and transplant? So this data was published excuse me, several years ago. This was, this, was a, this was started as one study and split into two studies of comparing RVD followed by stem cell collection and maintenance um, with, the, uh, uh, with transplant at relapse versus RVD and transplant upfront, uh, followed by two more cycles of RVD and then lenalidomide maintenance. And this is the French study. The U.S. study has been completely accrued, but we don't have the data back yet. You'll note here that the, if you look at induction, there's no difference between, between the two arms. The, um, uh, the response rates are the same. I'm, I'm sorry, the, the response rates are the same. If you, if the response rates increase with the transplant, um, and, uh, and that maintains all the way through consolidation and maintenance. And then if you look at the progression-free survival of patients who got the early transplant, then the progression-free survival is clearly superior with the early transplant versus the delayed transplant. Note, there's no difference at this relatively early time point when thinking about transplant studies between the transplant and the non-transplant arms. Um, but just remember, 80% of the patients who didn't have a transplant up front 
got a transplant when they had symptomatic relapse. And so this isn't a transplant versus no transplant. This is really a transplant now versus transplant at, at first relapse or second remission. And so, I, and so uh, transplant still has a role in, uh, in the in initial therapy. And I think this is really what drives um, that decision-making about transplant. It, it, the, they, the, the group looked at MRD negativity after their complete induction therapy and then after maintenance therapy. And what they noted is it didn't matter how you got there. What mattered most is that you achieved MRD negativity. Unfortunately, we don't know who is ultimately going to be MRD negative after a year or a year and a half of therapy. And so it's, you, the, the, your patient is more likely to have MRD negativity after induction and transplant than they are after no transplant therapy. And those are the patients that are most likely going to remain in remission. So it's really, it's this data that drives us to, con- to continue to recommend uh, early transplant after induction therapy. So th- this study uh, asked the question, this is a, a very nicely designed study that asked the question, it asked really two important questions. What's the best partner with a proteasome inhibitor? Um, can we use cyclophosphamide with a proteasome inhibitor versus monolidamide? And then the second question is, at least at an early time point, um, what's the role of transplant? It's when you use a carfilzomib, a more, what, what we believe is a more potent proteasome inhibitor, uh, with the combination of Lendex. And so there were three arms. The top arm was carfilzomib plus cyclophosphamide dex. All of those patients went on to a single autotransplant and then had consolidation with uh, four more cycles of carfilzomib cyclophosphamide. And then two groups had uh, carfilzomib and lenalidomide. And then there there was essentially a randomization between autotransplant and ongoing therapy. So what you're really looking at is comparing comparing four additional cycles of KRD versus a single autotransplant. And if you just compare the induction... KRD versus KCD, and I, <clears throat> I will just say this. I think for those uh, pra- practitioners in the United States, I think uh, everybody would, would, would have predicted this, but there's a clear benefit in terms of response to uh, at the lenalidomide versus cyclophosphamide, a VGPR rate of 73% versus 57%. Now, if you look at, again, now this is um, post-transplant, post uh, four additional cycles of either KCD or KRD, the overall response rate for both of the KRD arms still is, I mean, sorry, the, the VGPR rate is still superior in the KRD arms to the KCD arms, 89%, 87% versus 76%. Now, if you compare the autotransplant versus just no autotransplant, there's no difference in overall response rate. There's no difference in VGPR rate. There's no difference in, in uh, uh, stringent complete response rate and so forth. And so, um, again, this is, this is something that we, this is in contrast to at least the responses that we saw with RVD versus RVD transplant. But, we, but before changing practice, 
uh, we're going to want to see MRD negativity rates, <clears throat> and we're going to want to see uh, PFS uh, to really confirm that this uh, it, that this is can replace transplant. <clears throat> the other thing that we have always been concerned about, and I mentioned previously, is that there is a uh, at least in the relapse setting in myeloma patients, there is somewhere around a five to seven percent cardiac toxicity rate. There is a five percent renal toxicity rate, and I we were encouraged in a very large study that the, uh, that the toxicity of carfilzomib is actually quite low. Uh, once you learn how to appropriately use the drug in the appropriate population, you can uh, get that, res- that toxicity rate of the, at least the cardiac toxicity rate down to uh, 2 or 3%. Uh, <clears throat> so again, I, um, three drugs are the standard. Uh, our standard is a proteasome inhibitor, imid, uh, 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 lenalidomide particularly, and dexamethasone. Um, the, there's the, the debate of where we are with the fourth drug. Transplant is improving outcomes. We typically are recommending maintenance therapy, and again, we have a whole talk about maintenance therapy. And again, uh, CR, stringent CR, are biomarkers for those patients who are likely to be MRD negativity, which is really our goal. Um, where are we with, uh, again, not our older patients, but where are we with our non-transplant candidates? I, at, at Emory, our non-transplant candidate pool is quite low. Um, the, the patients who are non-transplant candidates are, 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 are much older and sicker than what we study. But in general, uh, that's, that's not necessarily true, uh, at least certainly in Europe and, uh, and, and outside of our practice. If you look, if you ask the question of lenalidomide continuously versus Lendex continuously versus lenalidomide dex for 18 months versus MPT, which is what this study asked, there's a clear improvement in progression-free survival uh, for, uh, for continuous RD. There is an improvement in over, overall survival of continuous RD versus MPT. There's still not a statistical difference between uh, continuous RD uh, versus RD for 18 months. This, I, I think, is probably the most, um, it has, it's the most uh, practice-changing slash confirming study as well as the least known study. This reminds me of, of the study that came out from ASH 2017 from my colleague, Dr. Hoffmeister, who looked at giving DARA over 90 minutes. I just, I'll just, DARA over 90 minutes, is that, what, is that what everybody does after a couple cycles? So this was done on a very small study, and it was probably the most practice-changing study. And I think this should be a practice-changing, and but more not changing, but confirming study. So ask the question, this is basically how we all practice. If you have a patient who's getting RD as part of their upfront therapy, do you need to continue the dexamethasone or can you stop after a certain period of time? This study chose to stop after nine months. And you will see that there's no difference and there's no difference in progression-free survival or overall survival. In fact, if you look at it, maybe stopping the dexamethasone is actually has an improvement. There's no difference in, in, in overall survival or progression-free survival. After nine months of RD, you can stop the dexamethasone. So 
uh, I can never remember nine months, and so the way I've changed this into my practice is after a year of treatment, we just stop the DEX. Because we've debated this for years, because the first study continued DEX, and every study continued DEX. This study stopped DEX. It's okay to stop DEX. And they chose nine months. I don't know if six months is right or 12 months is right, but it's very important that you, it, once your patient's in remission, you can stop the dexamethasone and continue uh, lenalidomide. Very encouraging study, and in a large part, like I said, very, much more practice confirming than practice changing. Again, I already showed you this data, but uh, as a reminder, this study didn't compare just transplant candidates. This was non-transplant candidates too, and if you look at older patients um, in this study, there was clearly, and again, an improvement in outcomes with VRD versus RD. Now, the reality is, is that we can't give standard RVD to our 75-year-old patient. I would, my, when I talk to a patient whom I'm about to do induction therapy to, who's 70 years old, basically about, if I give them standard RVD, about one in five of them will absolutely fall apart, and they'll go from transplant candidates to non-transplant candidates. Um, so we just we give RVD light. This is uh, data that's now been uh, published, uh, uh, coming from our colleagues in Boston, um, and showing that RVD light weekly lenalidomide. I'm sorry, weekly bortezomib with a lower dose um, uh, lenalidomide is a safe and effective regimen. Um, <clears throat> we don't use a 35 day schedule because it's too complicated. So we just use a three uh, a 28 day schedule, three weeks on, one week off. Um, of, of both the lenalidomide and the bortezomib. And, um, and this is the, a really good regimen for your, uh, uh, for your older patients. Uh, and in, in, uh, again, not compared in a randomized fashion, but, but certainly better tolerated than standard RVD. Um, in our, in, in, at least in our European colleagues, non-transplant candidates, um, at, at their center, uh, at, at their site, they probably have uh, m- many of these patients who we would consider transplant candidates, but not. But their standard of care was VMP. This study compared DARA VMP um, followed by DARA versus VMP, which was their standard. This it showed very clear improvement in progression-free survival. That improvement started very early and then maintained over a prolonged period of time. In a large part, this, while it's approved, this regimen's approved in the United States, it's not used because we in the United States don't use VMP. Um, this was, uh, this regimen was effective in all subgroups. I will note the one subgroup, it didn't, it, it didn't improve upon adding DARA in the upfront setting, didn't improve upon VMP, was the high-risk setting. And so what it, what it tells us is in newly diagnosed high-risk patients, we need to have a better uh, standard regimen if we're going to add DARA. At least that's one hypothesis. Uh, again, um, uh, looking at, uh, I mean, um, asking a question, what's, what do we do more likely in the United States is this is RD versus DARA RD. Again, this uh, is very much uh, uh, tracks with our practice um, and again, very impressive uh, improvement in uh, progression-free survival by adding daratumumab to the non-transplant candidate versus with lenalidomide index versus lenalidomide index alone. 
um, higher improvement in progression free survival, higher overall response rates, higher CR rates, higher MRD negativity rates. But it, um, <clears throat> um, it, um, and I'll just skip that. But it was it was very interesting that again we didn't see that improvement in high risk patients. So what? So high risk patients still need something more than just adding DARA to your induction therapy. And, and we don't know yet what that answer is, but I think the answer remains at least an IMID uh, and at least a proteasome inhibitor. Uh, and we're lear- we're, we're, future studies, the Griffin study I showed you earlier, hopefully will answer the question whether adding uh, uh, IMIDs up front is helpful. Um, and so uh, I'll end there. This, uh, you guys ha- all have this as, as, as part of your uh, packet, and this is our approach, you, putting all this data together to how to manage our newly diagnosed patients. So thank you very much.